Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. This week's episode of the HIV podcast is sponsored by AuraQuick. AuraQuick HIV self-tests give you more control, allowing you to test yourself accurately anytime, anywhere using an oral fluid sample. No blood, no needles, just results in 20 minutes. AuraQuick is easy, painless, proven and private. Available from the Terence Higgins Trust, Superdrug, Amazon and pharmacies throughout the UK. Additional information can be found at uk.auraquick.com. Welcome to another sponsored episode of the HV Podcast, Sarah. It's getting regular this, you know, sponsorship. I know. It's good, isn't it? Do you want to know what's not going well in the HV Podcast life? Well. Oh, you look sad. Don't worry. It's not that bad. It's not that bad at all. We joined Threads last week. Is that a bad thing then? Well, no, it's not a bad thing. It's just, I'm not going to lie, I still don't actually really get it. I still don't know how to use it. Anyone wants to, you know, point us in the right direction, hashtags, you don't use them. What do we do? Anyone, what do we do? So it's like Twitter. But it's but there's no hashtags. There's no hashtags and it's a much kinder community. And one of our listeners actually commented on our first post. So I had put a post up that was a GIF that said uh, basically just like nobody panic type GIF. Basically, we have no idea what's going on. And Stuart, one of our lovely, lovely listeners, commented and said, I'll await the discussion about threads on the podcast. So this, Stuart, is for you. And if you have any ideas on how I use it, let me know. See, I mean, it won't surprise you to know that I'm not even on it. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, Sarah. It's a step too far. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's been wildly popular, hasn't it, already? Yes, but I think mainly because everyone just landed on the same morning because it was, was it last Thursday? But anyway, everyone landed on the same morning and it was very much just a, hi, we're here. What, what are we doing? How do we use this? So I quite enjoyed that bit where nobody else seemed to know what was going on. But now... 
I feel like other people actually get it and still I do not. Should I be asking questions? Should everything be a question rather than a post? Like I said, let me know. I have have a shout out to do. Really? Yes. From someone at our lovely LGBTQIA plus group. Wait, but hang on. Can I stop you here? Because the last time we shouted someone out, um, we ended up talking about our vaginas. So I just wanted to make you aware that I, we don't, I, I can't be responsible for where this conversation is going to go once you give them a shout out. They're aware of that. Okay, I did good. say, look, he didn't even ask for a shout out, but I'm going to do one anyway, because he says every time he hears us talking about Will on the podcast, as in Will, Lost Boys of Soho, who I, by the way, class as a close personal friend now, it's in my inner circle. And I know he'll be thrilled about that. Who doesn't want to be near my inner circle? He, well, I saw that he emailed you and called you your majesty. So I thought that was pretty awesome. It's what cemented our friendship. Anyway, oh. he hears us talking about Will all the time. And he constantly is like, oh, God, I'm called Will too. So if Will, you know who you are. This is for you. We're talking about you this time. Oh, well, hi, second Will. Will too. Yeah, Will Mark, not Mark too. That sounds a bit derogatory, actually. Yeah, other Will. <gasps> How about that? Will and other Will. Amazing. <laughs> there's, there's your new nickname. Something called Other Will. <laughs> I <laughs> spare Will. Will will use if our real friend Will isn't around. No. That's true. But so at the centre, there used to be two Jesses, didn't there? And there'd be Jess, other Jess. Whichever Jess you were talking to, the other one was other Jess. Oh, see, I always thought that, well, service users, they used to, oh God, service users used to say tall Jess and small Jess. Oh, I've heard them say big Jess and little Jess. And I had to say to her, so I should, I probably should give some context to this. She was quite tall. I'm quite short. Well, I'm very short. She was very tall. And so they would call us big Jess and little Jess. And I said to her one day, because she was quite tall and slight, and I'm sort of shorter and more rotund. So I said, which one do you think is which? Because if I'm Big Jess, I'm going to be really upset because that won't be suit my height, will it? Oh, this is like when I call my mum and dad, when I ring them and my dad will always be, you know, typical dad, I'll get your mum. And then I'll hear him calling and saying, it's the big one on the phone. And I mean, I hope he means the older one. But this is it. People need to clarify that, don't they? What do you mean the big one? It's not the big one. It's the older one, is it? Just use my name. (laughs) You know, you've only got two of us. How hard can it be? Yeah, he's like, no, it's too much effort. It's just the big yeah. one. Just yelling that down the garden. The big one's on the phone. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. used no. to call me pudding when I was little as well. Oh, I like that, though. That's such a nice term of endearment. We would never use that now, surely. Let's try it at the drop-in tomorrow. My mum used to call me Fanny Fanacapan. Oh. <laughs> Why? She was predicting the future. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, she's the preceder to this. She's done this, Sarah. She's done this to us. You were pudding and I was Fanny for Nakaban. Wow. Why? Yeah. What does it mean? I don't know. I, I'm going to have to Google it now. It just came to me like a flashback. Fernice, what happened? Oh, I'm going to change the intro. It'll be... <laughs> I'm Pudding and I'm Fanny Fanacapan and we've worked in the HIV sector for 40 years. Let's do it. Okay, Fab, we are taking a diversion today, aren't we? Away from our normal scheduled content. What are we doing? I'm nodding, nodding wisely. Yeah, yeah, she knows what's going on. She's got that nod of somebody that knows exactly what's happening. Maybe she's buying a bit of time to think about it, but that's all right. No, I was just sidetracked by what I should have for dinner. We know this. It happens. If I look, we have a far away look in my eye because I'm like, what meal shall I eat next? What are you going to eat? I don't know. I haven't had enough thinking time. 
Uh, oh, do you want a couple more minutes and then we'll carry yeah, on? Yeah, looking off into the distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, no, today we are looking at risk. Yes, of course we are. This is our Aura Quick sponsored episode and we are looking at, yeah, different forms of risk. This is it. This is going to be an interesting one. Yes, and we've looked at risk before, haven't we? Mm. So we are looking at some other areas of risk we haven't covered before. And the first one, do you know, we I can't believe we've not actually looked at this, but we've never looked at the actual risk of contracting HIV. Have we not? Not in terms of numbers. Oh, you're right. I was going to say, though, if we had, I probably wouldn't remember. I'm not good with the numbers, Sarah, am I? I'm not good with the science. No, no definitely not. And as it turns out, nor am I. So I learned something with this one. So the actual risk of contracting HIV is one in 500. What does that mean? Quantify that for me. Does that mean in theory, if I'm having unprotected sex with someone that's positive and I am not positive and they have a detectable viral load? Is this what we're saying? No, we're just looking at the general population. So if you decided to go out tomorrow night and have unprotected sex, what is your actual risk of contracting HIV? Oh, I see. Without knowing... If somebody's positive or not, what is that risk? Sorry, what was the numbers again? One in 500. It feels quite high. I think that's very high when you think how many people there are in the country. One in 500. But it isn't all as clear cut as you think, because I was the same. Like, what? How, how does that actually compute? Mm. So first of all, to give everyone an indication of how awful I am at maths, I was thinking, right, so if you sleep, have unprotected sex with 500 different people, you're going to get HIV from one of them. Yeah, is that, that's what, that's what it's telling us, isn't it? No, apparently not. It's all to do with probability. Um... And the odds of probability are not always the same because so many factors come into play. You're saying that something could change your entire odds just by one decision that you make in that day, right? Yes, or because the odds aren't just affecting you. There's another person involved, or at least one other person involved. At least, Sarah, in my sexual exploits, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, not really. I, I couldn't cope with all that awkward social interaction. No, thank you. You you carry on. So we were saying if you had 500 people lined up to have sex, how do you know if number two has got HIV or number 499, but it does not work like that. As I said, it's all to do with probability. I'm going to keep saying that word because that's the most mathematician-like I've ever sounded. It really is the laws of probability. That's what you're talking about, through. Yes. So the way to look at it is it's not an equal chance each time. So if anyone's listening to this going, oh, I can risk it. I haven't slept with very many people. I've got another, you know, 450 to go. No, no, no. The risk isn't equal each time because it depends on how many people the other person has slept with, if they're already positive, how high their viral load is. There are so many other factors that come into play that it's not as straightforward as a, well, is it? No, it's not as straightforward as, you know, you've got a one in a million chance of winning the lottery, for example. There must be variables with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. What numbers, if you pick number one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. Does that reduce the probability of you winning than if you picked random numbers exactly or if you use the lucky dip or if where you bought your ticket from someone's already won from there i'm i'm guess it's a bit like lightning striking twice in the same place must be a bit like that mustn't it yeah i think so yeah definitely and this is the same so we don't want anyone thinking 
one in 500 yet those odds work for me let's go for it it's just not get counting down just like crossing them off like I'm getting near that 500 like no that's not what it's like okay no and it may be you could sleep with more than 500 people and you could never contract HIV or you could just sleep with one you could lose your virginity to somebody and contract it that day that's how the odds work it's gambling isn't it yes yes it is gambling with your health exactly right so as we yeah. said many times before just use a condom yes that should be public health new strap line don't gamble with your health use a condom that's not bad actually you basically came up with that sarah we did well done i think well sean's done. listening i hope sean's realizing just how good we are the talent here i hope public health are listening they're probably not though no they're probably not <laughs> Hi, Public Health, if you're listening. We'd love to work on a campaign. <laughs> Let's do one. Let's do a national campaign. No, they're too busy analysing statistics. Yeah, or the ones that don't exist for trans people. Oh, yeah, <laughs> trying to find them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too busy ignoring a whole community. Right, should we look at some other risks? Yeah. One of them is uh, spitting. So can you catch HIV if someone spits? I'm so glad you're going to talk about this because this is one of the biggest questions that throughout almost 15 years that I've worked at TVPS, this is probably one of the top questions we still get asked that, about the risk um, either via kissing. So not literally someone spitting at you, but if you think about, you know, through kissing or oral sex. And I really hate that newspapers, there hasn't been one for a while, but do still seem to run these stories of uh, HIV horror, someone spat at me. And it's like, no, no, no. Oh, no. Well, a few years ago, I remember reading about this, the police were introducing um, spit hoods, weren't they? Yeah. But I don't think they wear them now. Do they wear them or does the person wear them? No, the police were going to wear them and it was to protect them from HIV and hep C. It was a big waste of time for an HIV perspective because you can't catch HIV from spitting. I mean, not that anyone wants to be spat at during their job so i can understand wearing it from that point of view but to say it's to stop hiv contracting no that's absolute rubbish there are no recorded cases of anyone in the uk contracting hiv from spitting nice i'm going to use that as a perfect little soundbite sarah educate excellent slightly derailed by the fact that my attention's caught by the delivery man down the road aren't you up high though how can you see all the way down your road up high yes i live in the in the turret of castle i'm like rapunzel yeah, but I live in a bungalow, so nothing's oh. high for me. Like, I'm just on the floor all the time. Like, he always parks down the road, and I always think, just stop having your lunch break or whatever you're doing and just deliver my parcel. Have you managed to get his name right yet? It's Gary, isn't it? No, no, it's not Gary. It's the other one. Don't He's even know his name. Partner. No. Oh, anyway, look, this is very dull. Let's move what, on. What, what are you having delivered? What are you, what are you waiting for? Shh, don't tell Fraser. Why well, he's here. Nothing, just a top, an essential item of clothing. Probably for work that you need yeah. to an important meeting that we have. Yeah. Okay, I like it, yeah. Sounds like a necessity to me. Right, moving on to, oh, from spitting to biting. Okay, so there are four, only four, highly plausible cases of HIV transmission resulting from a bite. In each case, the person with HIV had advanced well, they call it advanced disease here, but AIDS um, is probably a better description. They were not on medication, so they would have had a very high viral load. Uh, the bite caused a deep wound and the HIV positive person had blood in their mouth. Yes, yeah, so it's not literally just from somebody just biting you. Again, lots of different variables that need to be present. Yes, 
Two of those cases were in the context of the person having a seizure and someone who was untrained in first aid trying to do a good thing and to protect their airway, so trying to keep their tongue out of the way and then being bitten. So they weren't kind of deliberate bites. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can understand why someone might have blood in their mouth, because if they're having a seizure and they're bitten their tongue or the side of their cheek, that does make sense. I'll put the link for this report. But they said in the report that they found no cases of an emergency worker or police officer being infected with HIV because of a bite. So nobody's deliberately biting other people to pass on HIV. But they're also keen to point out that bite injuries are a really common reason for attending A&E. So a review of A&E admissions over a four-year period at a hospital in the UK found that one person was admitted with a bite read every three days. What? That's a lot. Is that a human-to-human bite or like any kind of bite? I don't know. It doesn't say, actually. It just says a bite wound. So it could have been being bitten by an animal, but... A hamster, a feral hamster. Oh, yes. I've been bitten by a hamster before. We had to look after that bleeping hamster from school. Did it bite you? Ungrateful. Yes, it did. did bite me. It was literally hanging off my finger. Honestly, I mean, I was so stressed anyway that the thing would die over the weekend and I'd have to go back to school on the Monday with, I'm so sorry, but here is dead. They called it Turkey. The kids in the class chose the name Turkey for it, which is... I love that. I think that's sort of brilliant. You don't, I love it. Turkey, Turkey the hamster. Yeah, Turkey the hamster was a vicious, vicious little thing. Kids wouldn't go near it all weekend. Oh my God, this is what the bite, this is all the bites that people go to A&E, Sarah. It's all the parents who are having to look after, like the pet, the classroom pet. Classroom pet, yeah. Ravaged by it. There you go. Um, so anyway, generally, if someone bites you, you will not catch HIV, even if they draw blood. HIV can't be surpassed by saliva, so their saliva getting into your bloodstream won't make a difference. Uh, right. Tattoos. Now, I have to say that most of these other ones are based on things that I've heard at the centre, either from service users or from people that we've tested. Yeah. With adamant, I've been at risk because of I went to a tattoo place. Yes, I have also heard that. Yes. Okay, so theoretically, it could be transmitted if you're not using sterile equipment. But even then, I mean, it is highly, highly unlikely. Um, And reputable tattooists, I mean, they use, I don't know, do they get the needle out in front of you? Yeah. So so they don't do it in a sort of like like we would, like when we're testing, where we very much show, look, this is an unopened needle, but they'll open the packet in front of you, yeah. Okay, that being said, if you go abroad and have a tattoo, they will not have the same rules that they have over here around hygiene. So that is something bear in mind. Yeah, because obviously you do you bleed a lot. Well, depending mm-hmm. on the tattoo, so they they no they're really strict here. They're really good, and they you know you fill in forms beforehand. And good tattooists these days, I have to say, have stopped stating HIV on there. They just say. Any any kind of bloodborne viruses, any bloodborne illnesses, and you tick that or you don't, and that's it. And they don't ask further questions because the protocol should be the same, right? Why do they need to ask? I've never got that. Yeah, I don't know because if you're being safe, you're being safe, right? Yeah. What does it matter? So it shouldn't matter, I suppose. Is it? I don't know. This is probably a real stretch, but is it to do with the fact that obviously you have to sign consent forms? You have to put like a emergency contact and things like that is it if you were to pass out or have some kind of really bad reaction I mean a lot of people do pass out when they're having a tattoo don't they 
don't know. It's like dentists. I've asked my dentist about this because it's on that health form you fill in. Yeah. And I was like, well, why ask about HIV? Because, and she said it so they know what medication you're taking. That's the only reason they need to know. Well, that makes more happens. sense. That makes more sense than a tattooist asking. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It does. So, know. tattooist, stop being so nosy. Yeah, man. Well, thousands that. of them getting in touch going, uh, no, we have to do it for our insurance or whatever. I'll, do you know what? Ben is actually booked in to have another tattoo in a couple of weeks. Literally next week, I think, actually. I'll get him to ask his tattooist. Okay, body piercings. That's another one I've been asked about before. Um, no, again, it's a sterile needle. Any good practitioner, I don't know what you call them, should be opening a needle in front of you or at least opening a needle nearby so that you can see that it's brand new. Yeah. yeah, They tend to, don't they, when they're getting everything ready, you're sat there and I always feel like it's just to amp up the tension, make you just extra terrified. Like you get, you get like pliers and things out. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, I was asked this one the other week. Cosmetic surgery, Botox or lip fillers? This is interesting because this is, again, a really... I feel like Botox, lip fillers, all these dermal abrasion things, I don't know what they are, but I feel like they've become much more accessible in the last few years. Mm. Whereas it used to be, you know, you'd go to somewhere like Harley Street, I suppose, or something. Now it seems that they are, I don't know if they're cheaper, but they just seem to be much more affordable and sort of in our high streets, don't they? Yes, or mobile services. I saw someone advertising on Facebook the other day, a mobile um, lip filler service. I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not into all that anyway. But I suppose there's a couple of things to think about, isn't there? One, you, that industry isn't regulated. So um, you do need to be careful who you use. But again, and if you're not sure, ask them. Ask them about, you know, do you use a clean needle each time and, and find out more about what you're going to have done to you. Yeah, yeah. And so, kind of Harley Street, I'm guessing you'll be okay. But I think everyone just needs to be on their kind of guard, really, don't they? I think you're right. I think we get a bit um, nervous of being like, look, can you just talk me through this and what's your safety practices? I think we feel, or I don't know why I'm saying we, I certainly feel like I'm almost putting someone out. Like it's rude. Like me asking those questions is insinuating that they're bad at their job. And actually it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to ask those questions to feel confident in a service that you're having. Yeah. And to check that whoever's doing the service is qualified. No, we don't always do that, do we? Maybe I mean you should set up some sort of cosmetic surgery. Oh, I would love that. You know how much I love doing makeup and stuff. Oh, I would be in my element. Although I feel like I'd pressure people to just do more things. I'd be like, oh, let's do let's do more filler here. Let, let's lift your eyebrows. Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, right, dentists we've talked to uh, talked about already. So no risk of HIV transmission. They clean thoroughly after each patient, which is why it doesn't make sense if you're HIV positive and they ask you to be the last patient of the day. No, you don't need to be. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that happened for such a long time, didn't it? Where dentists would book people in last person of the day, like you're saying. So you've got you should be having good healthcare and safety practices, hygiene practices. That's what I'm searching for. You should have good hygiene practices anyway. Oh, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, you really um, would. You really would. The dentist is, you know, not everyone's favourite thing. So at the very least, you hope it's, you know, well-maintained. Daring drug equipment. Needles, yes. Snorting, no. Passing around a joint or a pipe, no. Talked about this in the past because of the Daily Mail headlines. Um, so, you know, needles found in a park and all the children are probably now HIV positive if you read the Daily Mail. No. 
because it's a dirty old needle, which is gross. I get that. But there isn't an HIV risk with that. But if you're sharing needles whilst taking drugs and the person next to you shares their needle that they've just injected themselves with and then you inject yourself. Yes. Danger, danger. Never, never do that. Yeah, no, don't do that. No sharing these. And there are so many places where you can get um, disposable needles from really easily. And, yeah. you know, you can get your own little sharps box or go and dispose them at a chemist in their sharps box. It's very accessible these days. There should be no need to share needles. Uh, what else? Donating blood? No. Lots and lots of checks in place for that. And they're very good with that. You know, they even check if you're ill or if you're, you know, have you been abroad? They check a million questions, to be honest. Do they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have the, like a big checklist that you have to fill in every time. And so when you first go in, you sit down with a nurse and they do a little finger prick and mm-hmm. they put your blood. Oh, I'm going to ask them actually the next time I go. I know that's to see if you're well or not, but I don't actually know what it's checking for. And they see if your blood sinks or floats. No. Yeah. yeah. So they do that. And then if you pass the first bit with the nurse, then you move on and go and have your full, go and give your full amount of blood. Do you still get biscuits? Oh, yeah, Sarah. You get brilliant biscuits, squash, club bar, mini cheddars. Ooh. Treat. It really is. Not that that's the only reason I would go. Well, they've started doing a campaign where they were enticing people in with all the great snacks that they have. And I was like, why not? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Blood transfusions, no, in the UK. Yeah. I haven't actually looked into around the rest of the world uh, as this is a UK based podcast. Exactly, exactly. And 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 a lot of the things that I realised when I was just um, chatting away about how easy it is to get needles. Again, I'm talking about in the UK. I'm, I'm sure it's not quite that simple for everyone everywhere. And also, by the way, we just added a new country. So we are on quite a sexy number of 169 countries now. But what was the last country, the newest one? I tried to go through it. So it won't let me drill it down. It won't let me go backwards in time and look. I think it's either the Syrian Arab Republic, Anguilla, American Samoa, Gibraltar, Isle of Man, San Martin, Martinique, the Maldives, or the Turks and Caicos Islands. Any of those I would be up for visiting. But it's one of mm. those that's brand new. Oh, please let the Maldives invite us there. They might do now. <laughs> we'll do like a hey, round-the-world tour. We'll just go around the world, Sarah. It'll be like 80 days around the world with Sarah and Jess. Uh, right. The last risk is sharing razors. There's no risk in sharing kind of razors. Okay, because I've heard that as well from a service user. But do you want to hear two unusual cases of HIV transmission that involved, one of them involved a razor? Yes. Because when I was checking up on um, risks, this came to light. But it's in the 90s, so we're not talking about risk in the modern day. Okay, okay. Is it very gruesome? No. Oh, I was thought you would say it was like using a razor to like slit someone's throat or... No, no. no. You dark person. Misjudged that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, we are looking at... There's two unconnected cases of HIV transmission within two Australian families. Uh, this was reported in the September the 5th issue of AIDS... What a name for a publication. But we are in the 90s. So the first concerned a 16-year-old girl and her 18-year-old sister who shared a bathroom at their family home. The younger sister became aware of her HIV infection after donating blood in 1999. She'd never had sex 
and uh, there were no other risk factors for her acquiring HIV. Both her parents were negative. So it was a mystery. Where did she get HIV from? Her older sister was subsequently found to be HIV antibody positive. And she recalled having symptoms of seroconversion in January 1997, uh, one month after her first ever sexual encounter with a Russian man. So they analysed these results and they found that both the younger and older sister were infected with Russian type, subtype A, that's what they called it. And they knew that that type was very, very rare in Australia. So they're pretty much like, it's got to have come from this Russian guy. So that then led to the conclusion that the older sister had infected the younger sister. But how? Yeah, how? Well, the only risk factor that they could come up with, and they interviewed the whole family quite rigorously to kind of say, what on earth's going on here, was that on occasions, the older and younger sister had shared the same razor to, to shave body hair. And that was the only thing that the scientists could think of. That Which, could have so come. where maybe one had like nicked their leg, like cut it a bit, and then the other one maybe used it straight after. Yeah. Oh, that is, again, talking about variables and chances, that is, the odds of that happening are so slim, aren't they? Yeah, really, really slim. But um, yeah, so that's one case. Okay. There's another case as well. Also in Australia, what was going on in Australia? Eh? What was happening? Or were they just really good at recording these freak events? Yeah, they may have, might have been. So the second case concerns a 55-year-old woman and her son, who was in his early 30s. Now, the mum first became aware of her HIV infa- infection after donating blood in 1997. Blood She's donation? Been- the blood donation people, I just have to butt in here, Sarah, because well done to them. They're picking up a lot of HIV. Mm. They are. They really were back then, weren't they? Yeah. Now, the mum's been married for 25 years and said she had no sexual partners during that period other than her husband. Her husband was negative. Can you imagine the conversations in that house? Okay. So did they ever... What? what how? I can't so the, words. I'm so There shocked. was a daughter. So the daughter, uh, she was also negative. So it's just the mum and the son that are positive. Son had been living in Thailand and reported very occasional unprotected sex during his time there. He tested positive. Uh, and he moved home for six months in December 1996. During that time, he had, had he had active psoriasis, which is like a skin condition. Yeah, yeah. So they analysed the mum and the son. They found they were infected with the same subtype, which subtype E this time, common in Thailand, very rare in Australia. So they concluded that the son had infected the mum. But how? But yeah, how? The only risk factor they could find was that the mum had been applying um, a topical cream to the son's psoriasis lesions. But she reported they were dry. They weren't bleeding. But what about her hands? What were on her hands? Hat- this is why it doesn't make sense. The scientists ruled out lotion as or the cream that she'd been using. They said, you can't, I don't, it's highly unlikely you could have contracted HIV through that. Yeah. Um, and they ruled it out because there'd been no other cases in the world. So the light was just not really feasible. So then they started to think, well, maybe they shared a razor. And the truth is with the second case is they don't really know because the son wasn't very forthcoming with information. Right. Uh, so they interviewed all the family face to face and and he was like, no, I don't want to be interviewed face to face and I want to answer my questions in writing. 
he also had hep C, so they thought maybe he was um, an injecting drug user. But even then, that only kind of establishes more how he contracted HIV. It doesn't establish how he passed it on to his mum. And they concluded in the end that they just they don't know how the mum contracted HIV from her son because they just didn't have enough information to kind of make an informed decision. Well, yeah. And if he would only reply in writing, it's not like having a conversation where you can ask someone to expand on something, is it? It's very, it was very controlled, actually, isn't it? Which leads me to believe he knew more. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But then how did the mum contract it? I mean, you'd have to be really unlucky if she got it from his psoriasis then, I mean, what are the chances of that? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. That it would, I mean, who knows? But how funny that they were both in Australia, though. Yes, I mean, there have probably been other cases around the world, but these are the two that I picked up on. Yeah. Because they were really rare. And I think the thing to emphasise here, for the UK in 2023, the most common route of transmission is unprotected sex. By far and away the most common. And, And I think, you know, we do see people who have been diagnosed, and I understand it can be extremely difficult, but... We do occasionally see people who will look for any other reason and go and research. And and it's why we felt an episode like this would be quite important. And also the questions we get asked by the wider community around, oh, I had a tattoo and now I got a rash, so I must be positive. You know, it's helping to dispel myths, Sarah. Well done. Well, there you go. That's our risk episode complete. That was a very, very good one because now I can just say to people, well, obviously, I'll answer their question. I'm not just going to be like, no, go on, this is a podcast, not, not telling you anything. Do the homework yourself. Not going to do that. But I will be able to say to people, for more information, go and have a listen to the whole thing. Yes, I'm going to say that. The next time someone comes in to test with us and asks if um, I want to see their rash, which I'm just going to the say The answer's no. always no, isn't it? The answer's yeah, always Yeah, I mean, if you are going to an HIV charity be tested for HIV or anything else never never they don't want to see the the symptoms that you think you've got especially in the genital area no yeah yeah no no and no pictures either even if you're sort of whatsapping with us and talking about coming to test and why you're concerned I would just signpost people gently to the local sexual health clinic yeah no photos no pictures no pictures asking us if you're too small or too big we're just two women yeah yeah we don't know everything there is to know about penises so don't don't bother yourself sending us pictures yeah no no unsolicited dick pics over here no no thank you well that was a very very good or a quick sponsored episode thank you very much excellent our work here is done isn't it but do you know what i've got to show you this do you remember i had that massive oh my god have you got a rash yeah and a dick pic for you i've got both i'm gonna make an appearance now funny for the fan (laughs) <laughs> no, you know i've got a bit of an obsession with water bottles it's such an aside but i have to show you because i feel like you'll be impressed i've got a new one it's my new uh it's making me so happy it's, i don't know why it makes me so happy what was wrong with the old barrel oh that one's better the other one was like a water butt yeah it really was i could have just used it in you know collect all the water from the rainfall and then just use it for my bath couldn't i <laughs> <laughs> it was huge with that big handle well, it, to me, I, it just didn't keep anything cold enough. So you put all your drink in it, don't you? And then it would just mm. warm up because it's room temperature. You're carrying around like two and a half litres of water a day. And this one, so I've got a new one that's like a massive cup with a straw. It's insulated. And look, because it goes small, it goes in a cup holder in the car. Good God. It's still quite, look, it's as big as your head. No, and I've got a big head, as we know. 
It's good, isn't it? Um, this isn't. I'm not putting a link below or anything. This is. I'm not selling it. I'm literally just genuinely excited about not it. A sponsored ad. Mm-mm. But I love it. It's my new favourite thing. You're so easily pleased. I know, aren't I? You need to be more easily pleased. I I, I need you to just be pleased with like a cup, like me, Sarah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not cup chat, is it? It's just... I'll bring in my assortment. I've got so many, you know. Maybe we'll see if one like takes your fancy. If you're drawn to one of my many, many water bottles that bring me joy. No, it's just something else to carry. And we know how many bags I already bring when we come into the centre. Do you do you do have a lot of bags? You've got a lot of things. I don't Sarah. understand it though. Why do I have so many? It's so weird. Maybe it's a mum thing. I don't know, but. Well, thank you very much for that episode and also for indulging me with cup chat. Sorry about that. Um, That's okay. But we're going back to finish off our trans sort of mini series that wasn't supposed to be a mini series, aren't we? Yes, it's very much an unintentional mini series, but we've got one more episode to do um, of that next week. In fact, over the next few months, we have got so many exciting episodes. It's going to be an amazing summer. It's going to be a mad HIV podcasting roller coaster. It is indeed, yes. And please go and vote for us for the Listener's Choice Awards on the British Podcast Awards. There's a link on our highlight. Now, I know we're not going to get anywhere near the amount of votes that some of these absolutely huge podcasts are, but wouldn't it be brilliant if we, you know, got enough to kind of make a bit of a dent to show people this is a subject that people do want to hear about it. We are all normalising HIV. Like, it would be really nice to do it. So you could go and give us a little vote. That'd be brilliant. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, do it. Go and vote. This week's episode of the HIV podcast is sponsored by AuraQuick. AuraQuick HIV self-tests give you more control, allowing you to test yourself accurately anytime, anywhere using an oral fluid sample. No blood, no needles, just results in 20 minutes. AuraQuick is easy, painless, proven and private. Available from the Terence Higgins Trust, Superdrug, Amazon and pharmacies throughout the UK. Additional information can be found at uk.auraquick.com. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.